1: Yes, sir. We are back, baby. It's All Eyes on Cleveland. I am your host, Brad Ward. Mikey is on the ones and twos. All Eyes on Cleveland is here to bring you a brand new episode where we take a look at the Browns matchup with the Washington football team on Sunday at First Energy Stadium, 1 p.m., Dwayne Haskins, Terry McLaurin, The vicious front four that they bring. Uh, We will take a look at that matchup in depth detail with our special guest, Jason Hand, host of the Browns Huddle Podcast, joins us tonight. I am excited. You start getting excited. It's going to be a good one. Uh, Plus, we will talk about the plan. What is the plan Stefanski has this week as we revisit one of my takes from week one and think about... How that weighs in at this very moment and in this very pivotal football game. Mikey is doing his thing. I am fired up. You start getting excited. It's all eyes on Cleveland. Yes. We are back in full effect. Browns are one and one. Your Cleveland Browns are one and one and they face the Washington football team at home on Sunday. Chance to go to 2 and 1 for the first time since 2014 above 500 for the first time since 2014. That's incredible. We've got tons to talk about tonight. A fantastic guest, Jason Hand of the Browns Huddle Podcast, will join us very shortly to discuss many issues regarding the Browns and the football team uh, matchup. Uh, what to expect? Injury? The uh, injury report? As there are some troubling things there. There's some exciting things there. There's lots to look at, and me and Jason will take a look at all of that for you. After that, I will come back, and I want to go ahead and kill that, Mikey. I want to talk to you about planning. In week one, after the Bengals lost, I went on a tirade about Stefanski's uh, organizational game plan week one. And how it got so bad. And why it got so bad. And then we saw a very good game script that fit exactly what they want to do as a football team in week two. Two very different teams. Two very different levels of competition. Certainly. However, this week lent itself again to a potential victory if they want to be a playoff caliber football team. Now... I don't care how they get to two and two, but I need them to be at two and two. And their chance of doing that is much higher against this team than it is against the Dallas Cowboys, which is then followed by the Colts and the Steelers in the toughest three game stretch of the season. I wrote about that multiple times in the uh, weeks prior, pardon me, not prior, following the schedule release. When That Happened at BrownsWire.com, where I do write all of my articles, Uh, USA Today Sports Media Group. Go check it out, BrownsWire. You can find all of our shows, All Eyes on Cleveland, where all popular podcasts are found, including iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, Player FM, Radio.com, TuneIn app, Google Play, uh, just to name a few. Uh, will be published at the brand new website, All Eyes alleyesoncleveland.com. Go check it out. It's amazing. You can listen to it on any of those platforms straight from there. You can listen to it right on the website. There's a voicemail there that you can leave messages that I will play on the air for you. Yes, it's exciting. It's awesome. It's just a very sleek, chic-looking website. I advise you to go there. And while you're there, leave us a review. Tell us how we're doing. Say, Mikey sucks. Or, Brad, I think you suck. Or, I think you guys are great. We're just trying to get better. That's all we're doing. We won't be mad. Just leave us a review if you're there at the website. And I advise you to go check it out. It looks great on mobile as well. The show tonight is sponsored by Thrive Fantasy App. Thrive Fantasy App is an app uh, which uh, you can play daily fantasy sports, but not the way that you're used to. No more making lineups. No more going against the pros who enter 150 iterations of a lineup, where you have to go one lineup or two lineups versus. 150 or 300. They give you prop bets straight from Vegas, straight from sports books. You pick the ones you like, you choose the side you want, and that's how you earn points and that's how you earn cash. You can get a free $20 instant bonus with your first. Deposit using the promo code Eyes E-Y-E-Z, as in all eyes on Cleveland. When you sign up today, download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. I want to get to the Jason Hand interview. You're going to like it. We talk a lot about a lot of topics. It's really good stuff. He's a great guy. He knows his stuff. Uh, This is the meat and potatoes of the show. But when I come back, I want to talk about what I'm going to replay a one-minute segment from week one where I talked about how upset I was when I heard Brandon Tierney talking about how the Giants looked good because they looked organized and their plan of attack was in place and all this stuff. And I want to talk about how this needs to look for the Browns on Sunday because they it looked just right. Game script, everything looked just right against the Bengals. They had control of that game from start to finish despite the score. Okay? I want to talk about Joe Wood's defense for a moment. And his plan, and I want to talk about Stefanski, and making his next step as a head coach, it happens this Sunday at home. I don't care how you get to 2-2, and but you got to get there, and your best chance to do it is this weekend. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. I am proud to bring on the show, friend of mine, friend of show, uh, Jason Hand, host of the Browns Huddle podcast. Enjoy the interview. I am thrilled to welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland tonight a very special guest and uh, friend of show, Jason Hand. He is the host of the Browns Huddle podcast, Uh, and uh, Jason is in our podcast versus podcast fantasy league. We'll talk a little bit about that, but how are we doing tonight, Jason?
0: I'm doing great, Brad. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I shared with you before the, this uh, interview that I'm a huge fan of All Eyes on Cleveland, and I'm just happy to be here tonight.
1: Oh, that's awesome, man. That that means so much, and uh, we'll have to send you a t-shirt. There we go. You're, you're well, that's what I'm line. here for. That's for. You're there for the free t-shirt. There it that's is. That's right. All right, so we'll get one of those out to you for sure after the show, but uh, glad to have you on tonight. Now, you are in—you are a competitor of mine in our podcast versus podcast league. How are you doing so far? What's your record? We
0: are the, the Browns Huddle podcast is 2-0, and oh, my friend. Ooh. So we're about as perfect as you could possibly be at this point in the season.
1: I'm bringing it up right now because I want to see what you got going on here. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm 1-1. One one. I lost to uh, the you know the believe it or not the the place where i write the brown's wire i lost to them the brown's wire podcast so uh that's kind well, of well that's ironic, who but,
0: that's who i'm facing this week so that, yeah, that, that's yeah, not yeah. encouraging
1: <laughs> josh keatley yep he's uh he's a good guy but uh they they have a pretty good team i can't get off uh, uh i don't understand what's going on here with this my uh, app here hang on I wanted to take a look at the uh, divisions here, see if you're in... The, are you in the same division as me? Let's take a look. Here I think
0: that, uh, yeah, we we are in the same division. Uh, that is correct.
1: There it is, yep. So, who am I playing this week? I've got... Uh, oh, Rivalry. I did, I did a show with these guys, so uh, I got uh, Feeling Dangerous podcast uh this week uh who uh they're zero two but uh, uh i had them on the show we did a collaboration at one point so that's cool uh so i know those guys but yeah so uh yeah so you got you're right up there at the top brown's what first place for third place in the whole league today uh this uh weekend you and the brown's wire how about that that'll be good good stuff hey, hanging
0: tough with matthew stafford right as my qb so I, i'm yeah. definitely pulling for matthew stafford to put up about 500 yards this week
1: <laughs> dude you got a quality team nice pickup there Devonte freeman he he visited my roster for a moment he wasn't on a team at the time so i had to let him go it was when he was rumored to be joining uh somebody jacksonville or something he worked out for jacksonville i think and that's i that's correct I yeah. picked him up for like a day uh, but now you got him in at, at New York, so that's a nice waiver wire pickup there by you. Uh, you got Enkeel uh, uh, Harry on the bench. Uh, you got a, you got a pretty good team, man. You got a really good team, actually. You'd probably want a little more out of uh, Austin Hooper, huh?
0: I am looking for big things for Mister Austin Hooper starting this week.
1: Yeah, so two catches and two catches, Jason. What's, what do you uh, think uh, the reason for that is Uh, for Hooper hasn't really gotten off. Jarvis hasn't really, you know, yet had an okay game, you know, week one, hasn't really gotten off. Odell gets off a little bit here uh, in week two, but only four, you know, four catches, 74 yards and a touchdown. That's enough to, you know, better than it has been. Right. So, uh, What do you think about uh, the ball distribution with the Browns? Do you foresee it being a problem here as we go forward? I I don't see it being a
0: problem. I do see it, you know, as it relates to fantasy football. You mentioned I have Austin Hooper. I I believe that that could be a hit or miss uh, week-to-week type thing. Last week, we we just – the running game was working so well that we didn't need to put, put the ball in the air a lot. So I I do look for Austin Hooper to have some big games. Um, I'm hoping that this week will be one of them for sure. But uh, yeah, so the the running game was working so good last week that I just don't think we need to put it in the air a whole whole lot. And that could be a recipe for success for the Browns.
1: Yeah, no question. Like, so that's where I was going to go with that. Is though, It feels like that should be the Browns' game script, right? Or at least uh, what they're trying to achieve in a game script as far as the run game goes. Like, they should be aiming for that kind of an outcome every week. Like, if they only have to throw it X amount of times and they're running it as much as they did against the Bengals, they're in good shape uh, because they're in a close game or they're ahead, right? Right it's where the Browns are going to get in trouble is when they fall behind and it's on Baker. Now, Baker looked great last week and everything, but that's really where he's going to be tested, don't you think?
0: Yeah, you know, and – as it relates to the run run game, at, you know, at what point do you start put you know abandoning the the game plan, the game script, and going to the air? I I think that we can play behind to a degree. You know, if we're fourteen points, let's say, in a game, yeah. even seventeen points behind in a game, I could still see us running the football because that's the most effective way that we've seen and we're only two games into the season under uh, Kevin Stefanski's offense but that's the most effective way that we can run the ball down the field and honestly man if we're trailing by 14 or 17 points one of the things we want to do is keep the ball out of of the um, other team's hands so only if we're down like 24 plus points can I see us maybe going away from the run game and, and, and throwing the ball a lot more. But I want to see a lot more of what I saw this past Thursday night, and that's running the football.
1: Yeah, certainly. Uh like for example a good example would have been Dallas this last weekend who fell behind by a good deal but did not abandon the run and stuck with it and still were able to mount a nice comeback victory, right? So Yeah. In- interesting stuff there. Um uh, I wanted to ask you about this. So Week one, the Ravens. Week two, the Bengals. Do you think... I I kind of have, like, the Washington, like, in the middle somewhere, right? Or probably not the middle, but the lower half, but better than the Bengals, don't you think?
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Washington is a a step above the the Bengals. Um, Not much. Look, this is the game that we should and I believe will win. Um, Before the season, we had... Uh, certain games circled on our calendar, saying, "Okay, we need to win that game. We should win this game." This was one of them. I have us in the first four weeks of the season being two and two. I, you know, had us losing to Baltimore and Dallas. You know, we'll talk about that next week. But this is one <laughs> of the games. This is let's take care of Washington first. This is one of the games that the Browns should, and I believe, will win.
1: Yeah, uh, you're 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 right on. They should. It's just that's not you know that we all know that's not how the NFL works, right? So, and when I I did the same thing as you when we played the schedule game, I said, you know, I break it down into into four game you know quarters, right? And I, I said at the end of the first quarter of the season, right, they should be two and two, and I and I don't give a damn how they get there, but as long as they get to two and two. I'll be happy because the next quarter is their toughest stretch, I think, of the entire season, starting with the Cowboys here. So let's look at that real quick. They go, um, and I wrote an article about this at the Browns Wire, about that stretch here where they go Dallas at Indy uh, at Dallas, pardon me, Indy at home at Pittsburgh. That three-game stretch right there after Washington is probably as tough as it gets for a three-game stretch all season, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've mentioned this before, but the furthest west that the Browns travel is Dallas,
1: Remarkable. which I think
0: it's it's great news, you know, after Remarkable. that Dallas game. I mean, we're going to stick pretty close to home, which I think uh, it bodes well, especially with COVID, and we don't know if that's going to ramp up again or not. But uh, yeah, that Dallas game starts a pretty tough stretch there. You have Dallas, as you'd mentioned, then we come back home against Indy, and then we are at Pittsburgh, which we are all excited about, and that's going to be on October the 18th.
1: Yeah. So, uh, and then you get Cincy, and then you get Vegas, and Vegas uh, is playing, obviously, really good football as they beat the Saints on Monday night, surprisingly, um, and then we get the bye week there. So, uh, it's it's a, it's not, their schedule's not tough, right? It's not, like, really gruesome, or you don't really look at any parts of the schedule and say, wow, you know, uh, that's, that's brutal, but you i think the biggest part of it is what you mentioned right there is no traveling out west no no you know time zone uh west west coast time zone no california time right uh all season long um they'll get into what the central there in, the, in dallas right or or mountain or whatever they're in there i'm not sure uh but uh either way that's as far west as they go, and that and on of all seasons for that to happen, this has got to be the most beneficial season for that to happen. And then and then you have teams like um, Las Vegas and um, the teams out west, just brutal. Have to travel across the country every other week. I mean, it's it's bad. It's brutal for some of these teams. Uh, as you think about, let's see, uh, the Browns are playing the. Uh, the NFC West this year, right? So all those teams have to travel uh, at least twice across the country to play in our division, right?
0: That's right. Um, Yeah. NFC West. We, I know we go to New York two weeks in a row. We played the jets and the giants uh, both back to back.
1: Yes. Yes. And interestingly enough, it's the uh, 49ers doing the very same thing this week. So, they played uh, last week in New York. Obviously, you heard about the turf, right? Uh, they were upset about the turf, uh, blaming that for some of their injuries because they had some brutal injuries there. Um, and then. Uh, catastrophic. Heard, yes. Uh, catastrophic would be a better word to explain uh, what happened to them. But then I heard Florio say today they traveled down to West Virginia to a little resort down there. That's where they've been all week, and then they're traveling back up to New York this week. So not going home at all, just staying there in New York. You think the Browns will stay in New York? you think they'll just come home for the week? Uh,
0: they could do either one. I mean, I, I, I would like to think they'd probably come home. I mean, New yeah, York isn't that I mean, far from from exactly. Cleveland. Yeah. yeah, just come home. It's Christmas time. Go there, get the W take a small little break, go back and get another W,
1: right? Oh, my God, it is going to be Christmas that week. Oh, they'll come home for sure then, I would think. Um, yeah, that would be brutal to have to be there for Christmas, right, uh, for all the players. You, at least they probably want to be home that week. But, yeah, the back-to-back New York games, it's just a, it's a weird schedule, and uh, it's kind of beneficial, certainly, to the Browns. Uh but this three-game stretch is one I wrote about and I wanted to mention that cuz you know the Dallas we know Dallas can be good uh when they put it all together but they they have their struggles as well. Indianapolis I I I'm not as sold on as some other people uh Jason to be honest because I just don't know if Philip Rivers still has it, man. Um and then uh Pittsburgh obviously will be a blast uh as usual and in a real test, our, our first real um, in division test. Uh, I don't really count that first game. I'm I'm giving us a mulligan on that one as our kind of like our preseason game. It counts, certainly counts. But uh, if you go back and watch the tape and and where. Baltimore's defense was compared to like where our defense was schematically and stuff. It was like watching a JV versus a varsity team at that point. And and it only makes sense that way because of the continuity, you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. And you had mentioned this three game stress that we're going to uh, face with starting with Dallas and then the Colts. And then is it the Steelers after that? Yeah. Or is it Houston? Uh,
1: The Steelers.
0: Steelers after that. So – that kind of uh, goes back to the point of this game versus the Washington football team. This is an important game. One yes. thing that we don't want to happen is fast forward to January. We look back at the results and say, oh, man, if only we would have got that game. We, you know, we could have had a chance at the playoffs. These are the games that, that we should win. And, man, I hope we do win. I think we will.
1: Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Washington. You're listening to let's All Eyes on Cleveland here tonight with special guest Jason Hand, uh, host of the Browns Huddle podcast. Uh, glad to have him on tonight. And uh, so Washington on the offensive side of the ball, of course, we know, you know, being f- from Ohioans, we're familiar with a lot of these names, right? So Dwayne Haskins, uh, Terry McLaurin. Who would have thought Terry McLaurin would turn into a wide receiver this good so fast? It's sh- kind of shocking. Um, but forty-six uh, percent of their offense through Terry McLaurin uh, so far. What? What is that? What is that about? What, what? I mean, I mean, I don't even know how you prepare for that. I mean, because they, it's not like that's repeatable, you know, for the entire season. So uh but yeah they've leaned hard on Terry McLaurin they've got uh Gibson the you know the kid he's a rookie running back he's a pretty good runner um and Haskins is is got the worst rating in the league and they've given up a ton of pressure one of their pro bowl offensive linemen is out this should be uh, a chance for our front four to eat right
0: it, it should be, and and what the the focus of this game? What I'm seeing after looking at at, at, the, at both sides of the ball, both both teams. I think that this is going to be a game in the trenches. It's going to be their defensive line against our offensive line, and our defensive line against their offensive line. That's where I think this game is going to be decided, right there in the trenches.
1: No question, no question. Uh, as they are probably going to. I would like to think that Joe Woods is ready to bring the pressure this week, right? Um, and uh, even not just the front four, but it, you got to throw, you know, young quarterback like Haskins who's struggling. You got to bring some exotic uh, blitzes at him and stuff like that. They've been real vanilla so far in their defense. Um, they started bringing some pressures last week from other places. I think they probably add on to that this week with the ten days off. You know, maybe install a couple of wrinkles in their scheme, and get after him a lot uh, on Sunday, Uh, I think that's an opportunity they have to maybe force a turnover or two uh, and, and get after that quarterback for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, defensively I think both ball clubs will have Similar game plans, right? I mean, they're going To want to pressure Baker Mayfield To force him to make mistakes, which is I mean, we've seen that happen before, so our Offensive line has to protect Baker Give him a little time, and he has to help out our offensive Line to get rid of that ball quickly And also our running game can Help out Baker in that fashion as well And then if you look at um, our Game plan, we want to pressure Haskins To get after him, make him Uncomfortable, pin the ears back of our defensive line hopefully he can make mistakes because the turnover battle will
1: also be uh key in this game as well yeah no question um and yeah you you make a good point now our offensive line has been stellar up to this point right so awesome I think they're ranked like second in the league right now uh so uh and they get jack conklin back um so that that helps and, and hubbard filled in admirably uh surprisingly um I was, uh, I, did, I was I didn't I didn't hear that spread.
0: Conklin's back is he is Conklin back that's good yeah, I didn't hear yeah, that
1: he proclaimed him himself Ray, that he was gonna play so uh good. They, they asked uh Stefanski about it and he said yeah that's a guy you can trust so <laughs> so <laughs> uh so Conklin yeah he, he'll be back uh so they should be um you know healthy on the offensive line against this you know These guys here. So it goes Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan, Jonathan Allen, uh, Darren Payne, and Montez Sweat, all first-round picks. Uh, Mm. So five guys, um, three of them defensive ends there. Kerrigan's a little bit older than the other guys. But, of course, the main two in there that scare you the most are Sweat and Chase Young, of course, who is uh, leading the league already in sacks with two and a half. So... You know they're going to be getting after it, and it's going to test uh, our rookie, right? Our rookie left tackle with uh, Wills, who has done uh, very well so far, but he's going to have his hand full on Sunday.
0: It will test our offensive line, and the last stat that I saw is that the Washington football team is leading the entire NFL in sacks, and that's (laughs) eleven. Um, of course, they had eight sacks against the the Philadelphia Eagles in weeks week one. So yeah, yeah. our offensive our offensive line is going to be tested this week. Um, there's no doubt about that. So we we all have to step up and do our part, including in the backfield with our running backs to help out and our tight ends.
1: No question, no question. Uh, they're going to have to provide some help for Wills. I would I would think at times. Uh, some tight ends and backs chipping out of the backfield and maybe some double teams from time to time just to keep uh, uh, that Chase, Chase Young uh, uh, is just an animal uh, under control. So um, not let him wreck the game, right? So, And if the Browns can keep the, the game plan, as we talked about earlier, their ideal game script, if they can keep control of the game where it's close or ahead... I feel like they can eliminate some of their ability to kind of pin their ears back just with the run game, you know. So uh, if that threat of the run is there, then uh, then they're going to have to be a little bit cautious because a lot of what the Browns do with that run game will exploit guys, you know, overextending their, themselves and not keeping their contain uh, if they get too uh, trigger happy on the pressure, right, and, and open up some big holes for our, our backs, so um, I think that that keeping that game, you know, neutral or us in ahead will be really key, um, and controlling the game kind of like they did against the Bengals, right. So even though the score didn't show it, the Browns really had control of that game through through most of it, right. So um, I, w- I would hope for the same there now. Um let's flip sides of the ball and talk about our defense real quick, who has not been great, right? Um but injuries uh were the issue. So let's take a look at this injury report as they are gonna get some uh some reserves back, right? Some guys back. No more Javier or Thomas, Jason.
0: Oh, thank you, Jesus.
1: Ten they the the Bengals targeted him uh ten times for nine completions. Can you believe
0: that? Unbelievable.
1: unbelievable. Yeah. Truly unbelievable. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's hard to blame the kid because the kid's played special teams his whole life, right? I mean, it's not like he's even really played any defense in, at the pro level. Um, and he got tossed in there for the first two games. Uh, and And that's what, you know it just kind of happened the way that you would expect with a guy in there with lack of experience in that in that uh you know nickel corner so important in the NFL today. So jubilation over getting a uh, right tackle uh Jack Conklin back. I am at uh, the com right now just to you know, jump through Jeff Risden's uh little uh injury report here with you, okay? So Absolutely. here's Absolutely. So great news with Conklin, right? But then we get the news from Fred uh, Greetham that uh, Denzel Ward uh, was on the field during uh, the portion of practice open to the media, but listed on today's injury report as limited participant with a groin. Um, So that doesn't sound great, to be honest. Uh, now the main one here and kind of remarkable lacerated liver, Kevin Johnson is recovered and a full participant will play on Sunday. That's remarkable with a lacerated liver. Like, I don't know how you can go back out on the football field after that.
0: It it is remarkable, and I actually heard an interview from Kevin Johnson, and and a reporter, I forget who it was, asked him about um, could the injury be, is there any concern with the healing of the injury? And he said once once it heals, there's no fear of re-injuring it. He's good to go. So I think the big question with Kevin Johnson, is he in football shape? Can he, you know, because he hasn't had a preseason. He got hurt during training camp so i do look for kevin johnson to be in this game i don't know how many snaps he'll take but i do look for him to be involved in the game plan against the washington football team
1: certainly uh you've got greedy williams back in practicing and a limited uh participant and same with mac wilson those two we don't know if they'll play uh on sunday but i like to think that um maybe they will i i don't know I, you know mac i guess has a big brace on the knee and uh to be expected and Greedy's issue is with a shoulder uh i heard a report today that you know he was able to you know when watching him for the shorter amount of time that the media can you know he was able to you know go both hands up and catch a football just fine uh so i don't know if you expect those guys to play jason I
0: think it depends on how the game's going. I mean, if, if we're in control of the game, like we were this past Thursday night, maybe they don't play a whole lot. Maybe they just get them in there to get comfortable with the speed of the game. Um, but if I'm the defensive coordinator, uh, you know, I'm looking ahead. I'm, I mean, not looking ahead, but I'm looking at the Dallas Cowboys game next yep. week. I want them all healthy for that. Cause we're going to need all hands on deck for the Cowboys. So To answer your question, I think it depends on how this game goes. I mean, if if we're handling the Washington football team uh, defensively, then no, I don't see them playing a lot of snaps. But if we need them in there um, and the game's on the line, yeah, I think we could see possibly all three of them playing in the game.
1: Yeah. Um, I would just say for fans out there, just note that Denzel Ward thing and kind of just something to keep an eye on. I don't know, you know. We don't know the extent of that. Stefanski plays this stuff close to the vest. You know, I just think that, um, that doesn't sound great. You know, one day he's a full participant and the next day he's limited with a groin. It sounds like maybe he did something in practice, which isn't great. Now you're going to have Olivier uh, Vernon out again. You're going to have Jacob Phillips out again. And you're going to have Adrian Claiborne out again, uh, for sure, um, do you think Jarvis Landry looks 100%, Jason? No. No, I I mean,
0: last game he was only targeted three times. He caught all three of those passes, but no, I don't think he's 100%. But if he can be out there to play and contribute, there's no question in my mind he's going to give it 100% and he's going to do a good job doing it. But, uh, no, I don't think he's 100%. But, I mean, would you like him to be? Yeah, but um, – i mean most players are dinged up a little this this time of the year
1: yeah um i agree I, you know there's no question in my mind that he is effective when he is out there i'm not suggesting that they don't play you know he doesn't play i just it he just doesn't look to me at times he doesn't look like a hundred percent Jarvis uh, now he did look good when he got the ball on that little uh uh wide receiver screen where he, he looked fast going down the sideline there so it's not like i don't think he's like like his speed is slowed or anything like that i just think he's probably uncomfortable out there uh at certain it seems that way or not quite as bouncy like you can notice uh at least for me i can notice a visible difference in obj this year versus last year and with like his foot speed and how bouncy he seems out on the field would you agree
0: I would 100 percent agree with that. And, you know, this could be a chance for the younger guys to step up, you know, Um, or we we have some receivers on this team that that we haven't really seen to this point. So, I mean, hopefully Jarvis Landry is okay. I think he will play, but uh, we might see some snaps from receivers that we haven't really seen yet.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how the receiver snaps have shaken out, and he has been a full participant all week, so he he he's going to play. But it's uh, interesting that you know a lot of people call for Higgins and everything, but I really think Daryl Hodges done a really nice job. He has, yes, <laughs> he he's turning into a really nice receiver. I think you know he blocks well. He does the little things when they have targeted him. He's caught the ball. Um, I've been impressed.
0: I have as well. Yeah. Um, But back to the defensive end. So you said Vernon and Claiborne's out. Yes. So so Porter Gustin, we can see it defensive end, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. I like Porter Gustin a lot, man. Now, he's been a – he was a five-star recruit. He was the real deal coming out of high school. Like, he was highly touted all over the country. Um, But, I mean, that lick he laid on – uh burrow last week on the on the sack fumble whoo that was a shot he he lit up burrow on that one and he was disruptive and he's been he's been a nice surprise uh you know beating out uh some guys in camp that i didn't think that uh necessarily i didn't really see that one coming but he has been really nice surprise jason
0: absolutely i'm just pulling him up um what? What? How many years has he been in the league?
1: Ooh, good question.
0: Um, let's see. He was just drafted. A, he was undrafted was in two thousand nineteen. Yeah. Do you happen to know the backstory on him? I mean, you said he was a five star recruit. What? What? What?
1: What happened that he didn't get drafted? I'm just trying to look that up. I'm guessing his college career uh, just didn't pan out uh, to the way that. I mean, that happens with a lot of guys. You know um that didn't pan out the way that he had expected. I just re- I remember him being recruited uh by Ohio State. Where did he go? USC. Yeah, he went USC. to USC. Yeah. So, uh 6'5", 257 um 23 years old, 2 years second year in the league. Uh, you know, was he I think he was on somebody's practice squad maybe last year. Uh, or, or he was on around. our practice squad last year. <laughs> yeah, after uh, after a certain point in the season, they picked him up. So, like, uh, I, I believe, right? Maybe like week seven or eight, I think they picked it. The Browns uh, picked him up. Uh, it says November
0: 4, 2019, Gustin was signed to the Cleveland Browns practice squad. There you go. So he was promoted so to been. the active roster November the twenty second, two thousand nineteen. So yeah, he he was uh, undrafted, picked up by the Saints in two thousand nineteen, and then uh, he ventured over to Browns camp. So
1: yeah, Browns got him. Uh, you know what? In November, so that would have been have half, about halfway through the season, right? So um, yeah, so that that's what uh, that's where he came from. I don't know what happened at USC, to be honest. I'm sure he was a good player there. I just probably it probably didn't you know pan out like it like uh, it is expected to. It happens with a lot of five star guys. You know what I mean. So, um, but the just the five star. The only thing that comes with that it, it, you know is just that you know that the athleticism and the size is there, right? So, uh, you know sometimes it just clicks for somebody, right? And he has been working his ass off in camp all the way to now and he's getting an opportunity to make a difference so he's from boise idaho the boys are corn fed out there big boy they are yes they are so yeah so i mean um the other issue with this this uh injury report that i'll bring up to you here jason is you know greedy williams coming back limited participant. We don't know, you know, if he's going to be ready to play on Sunday or not, but uh, Terrence Mitchell has played. I tweeted this out and got a lot of uh, uh, people upset with me, but that's okay. I can handle it. Uh, But uh, I, you know, I would have a hard time taking um, Terrence Mitchell off the field right now. He's playing so well. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I
0: don't think you can take him off the field just because, yeah, uh, yeah no.
1: And uh, I don't know what you want to do with Greedy, if he's healthy. I mean, I, I, I'm i not against, and nobody has done this yet with these guys, and it surprised me is because they have clear three best corners. Nobody has found a way to really get all three on the field at the same time. Um, if they would, you know, we know Kevin It's a good Johnson, problem to have. It is, it is. <laughs> If Kevin Johnson is healthy, I think he'll get the majority of the looks in that nickel corner. You mentioned the football shape, right? Maybe work Greedy in there a little if he feels like he's healthy enough to play, Um, uh, you know, uh, in the slot there. He seems like he would be quick enough to be able to do that. Um, So... Certainly better than your up other options at Tavier Thomas and MJ Stewart at this point. So, uh, But that's how I feel, and, and, and that's what uh, – so we're going to see some changes on the defense. I expect them to be better this week than they have been just by having Kevin Johnson available.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Money Mitchell and Denzel Ward will be on the outside, and you put Kevin Johnson on the inside uh, and maybe rotate Greedy Williams in and out. Um, we're, You know, we're going to get – next week when we play Dallas, I mean, that's going to be the test right there. So yeah, uh, greedy, we're going to need all really these good, guys. Um, yeah yeah we're gonna need them all then, but but this week, you know, uh w- one thing I don't think we've talked about is um, you know, defending against the tight end um room, Logan Thomas, uh that's the Washington football team's tight end. He was a, of course, a quarterback at Virginia Tech and now right. he's a converted tight end. Um, you, that that could pose problems for us because you you look at you look at their receivers, right? They have Terry McLaurin; he's their number one. A lot of Washington fans don't even know who their number two receiver are, so not right. too worried about that. Um, of course, we got to worry about their running back. Um, what's his name? Gibson. Uh, Gibson. Yeah, we got to worry about him. I hear he's not the biggest running back, but he can catch the football. But the tight end, that's the next area as you defend against the Washington football team's offense that I would look at uh, addressing.
1: And frankly, as you make a great point in bringing that up, an area where the Browns have struggled for years, right? And the opponent's tight ends have had field days against the Browns. Um, So, you know, the way that – Joe Wood's defense, you know, he it's 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 heavy cover three, right? It's the Seattle cover three um that he brought over that Sala ran and it's a lot of that. And it's also some, you know, some cover four, but it's a lot of zone, okay? This week, you wonder if they don't go to more man to man with McLaurin and being such a threat. Um if you wonder if they don't switch it up a little bit this week uh, in their coverage-wise. You hate, you know, when you get a guy like that that's making up for almost half of your offense, you want to take that away for sure, right? So if Denzel's healthy, he'll take it away. I mean, he's playing fabulous football. So, But uh, that groin worries me a little bit there. The other thing I wanted to bring up to you here, Jason, and I've been waiting for this to happen, and and you've probably, if you've listened to my show and you mentioned it, you do sometimes, that I'm not a huge fan of Sendejo so far uh, in our defense. Um, I'm waiting for Harrison to get worked in, and Joe Woods said today, so expect that increased role, right? He said, you know, he likes him, said he practices with his hair on fire, Uh, said he's had time to learn the scheme somewhat. So expect him to be on the field more uh, this week. Now, he got beat on a play last week. He was in for like one play uh, that I even re- can remember him being in, and, and they got beat on a the tight end wheel route uh, that – you know, it was just a mix-up in coverage, you know. It was like the perfect play to run when you put a guy on the field that's just learning the scheme, you know what I mean? And he was just late getting over there. Um, if you recall, that's when Burrow threw the touchdown to... I can't even say his name. It starts with a the tight end? Yes, yeah. yes, the tight yeah. end. Whatever that guy's name, name is. Yeah, Uz- <laughs> Uzamada or whatever. Uzam. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Uzad doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm anxious to see Harrison play. I'm looking forward to that. What about you?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to Harrison play uh, this week. Of course, you know we we played last Thursday, and it it seems like we it's been three weeks. That's what it seems like. Yeah, but that could be a huge blessing that we played Thursday because now we had 10 days off for guys like Ronnie Harrison to get, get adapted to our defense and learn the schematics of, of Joe Woods defense. So I, I, you know, although he wasn't much of a factor Thursday night, I do believe that we will see a lot more Ronnie Harrison uh, against the Washington football team.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I really would like to see them go to more of a Harrison Joseph look back there. Um, and it does, as you're bringing, like, Mac Wilson back into the fray, too, he can maybe even give back to some of what he intended to do maybe with Delpit that's gone if you want to use Harrison maybe in that role a little bit with three safeties on the field at times. Because we know that's what Joe was wanted to do with Delpit, you know, uh, kind of use him as that... Um, that uh hybrid guy that you can you know kind of send all over the field to raise hell you know what i mean um so and uh you know losing him on the back end was crucial obviously but maybe harrison can fill that role a little bit and maybe they'll get back to what he initially wanted to do here
0: yeah i mean ronnie harrison he's a little older right he's um i believe he's like 31 years old so he's a little older but he's got experience um he's seen a lot of offenses in his career um he, he might be able to help us with what we were just talking about with the tight ends you know um to help defend against that so i am excited to see what harrison can do i'm very excited that mac wilson's coming back uh, i think that's gonna help our defense but uh yeah ronnie harrison i think he'll be part of the game plan this week
1: all right so i hate to correct you on this all right i hate to do what it. Did I do? No, nothing, nothing bad. But he's 23, uh, and he is, um, yeah, he's 23. It's only like his second year in the league.
0: 23. Yeah, yeah.
1: First round oh. pick. First round pick out of uh, uh, by the uh, Jags. Well, uh, who the hell
0: was I thinking of?
1: <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I, I just wanted to. So yeah, he yeah, he was uh drafted in the first round by Jacksonville 63 uh 214 uh went to Florida State, right? Was I thinking uh, of Malcolm Smith? Maybe I was thinking of Malcolm yeah, Smith. Yeah, that's probably who you're thinking of. Yeah, he's he, older. Yeah. He's 31. He played on the set in that uh there you go. Seattle defense uh Got them the mixed day. up, my bad. No worries. <laughs> no worries at all. Just just correcting you there, make sure. Yeah, he's he's a younger guy that's still, you know, getting used to the league and everything. So, um, but I think, you know, taking in the first round. Uh, now, I, I thought that that's not right, is it? I thought he played at uh, Alabama. Yeah, he played at Alabama. I'm wrong. Why did I say Florida State? Uh, yeah, he played at Alabama. So... Uh good, good pedigree there for him, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I think that he will serve as a long-term solution in that safety room. Thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's an area that we definitely need uh, help in. You know, Taki Taki um, has been doing pretty good. Carl Joseph has been doing pretty good. But any help that we can get in the linebacker safety room is well needed.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Just thinking more of like next year, you know, Sandejo will be gone. Uh, Carl Joseph is on a one-year deal. You're going to – a lot of what this team is going to have to address moving forward, Jason, I think will be on the defensive side of the ball. Certainly you're going to have to address the defensive end opposite uh, Miles Garrett. I would think that the majority of your draft asset or your first-round pick will go towards a, a defensive end. Uh, unless they acquire one someplace else, because you need to make put into place a long term solution there, in my opinion. Um, and then maybe that other safety or whatever, right? Uh, now you're going to hopefully get Delpit back. So um, maybe that isn't quite the need. But uh, they went in after losing Delpit this year, and as thin as they are at linebacker you know, uh, there's your areas that need to be addressed. Now I think, and you can tell me what you think about this. The linebacker position, Jason has just basically become the offense's version of the running back for a lot of teams. I think a lot of GMs are just viewing that position like it's, it's there. Um, but I'm not going to address it with a lot of money, you know, I'm going to address it with young guys I can take in the draft in the fourth, fifth round, uh, and we think we can fill our holes that way. Now, a lot of that depends on scheme, but I think that that's kind of how Barry looks at it.
0: I think you're right. You know, I mean, there's three phases of a defense. You have your defensive line, your linebackers, and your and your cornerbacks and safeties. You know, um, it seems like to me that the defensive line is the number one target. That's what you want strong. Um, because the other, the other positions you can fill, you you know, you can fill in, you can develop, um, you know, your linebackers, you can draft in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, develop them and they can fill the needs, you know, of what you want. So I, I agree with you. I think this coming, it's nice to know. All right. So it's, if we're talking about this coming draft, it's nice to know that we're talking about plugging holes and not building a whole team. Um, One of the things that's important when you're when you have a successful football team is not only do you get good free agents, but you're also drafting good players and developing those players. So I think that's what we're seeing now. I mean, how many years in the past were we would draft players and then two, three years later, they're not here anymore. They're on some other squad. Well, now we're seeing that we're drafting players, we're developing them and they're sticking around. So
1: this is a this is really a breath of fresh air. No question, and that brings me to uh, our, our my final question here for you today, or my final point for you today, Jason. You led you led into this perfectly, right? So, uh, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with special guest Jason Hand doing a fantastic job. He's host of the Brown Title Podcast. I'm sure. Uh, where, where can uh, listeners find the podcast, Jason?
0: You can find my podcast on Twitter at Brown's Huddle Pod. Uh, my other account is also at Brown's Huddle, so I'm pretty easy to find. Just remember okay. Brown's uh Browns Huddle.
1: <laughs> uh, is it on like it's on like Apple and all the other uh, platforms, right?
0: Yeah, it's on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean. Um, I believe we're most places where you listen to your podcasts.
1: Yep, where all popular podcasts are found. So go check it out, the Browns Huddle Podcast with Jason Hand, our special guest tonight. So please do that and, and fo- follow him on Twitter. Great follow on Twitter for sure, at Browns Huddle, right?
0: Absolutely, yes, at Browns Huddle.
1: Perfect. Uh, so uh, the final topic that you kind of led me right into, and it's, and you, you nailed it on the head, like so how many years we've seen uh, Browns players go on, t- you know, not get extended in Cleveland, go on to other places. Well, this has made a t- significant turn. Now, to where we have a somewhat talented roster to, you know, many people think a very talented roster. Uh, And you have to worry about keeping a lot of these guys, potentially a quarterback, maybe, if that works out. That's a huge payday. They paid, uh, you know, they paid uh, Kareem Hunt, so that gives you a little bit of leverage with Chubb, but I think they would probably want to bring him back, even though he's a running back, you know what I mean? I don't think they want to split those two up because they kind of elongate each other's careers by being together, you know? Um, at the same time, you're going to want to address Denzel, right? Uh, maybe Mac Wilson in the future. I don't know, right? So... There's a lot of guys. Now, the guy that is immediately up and is a free agent at the end of this year is Ogan Joby, uh, Larry OG. And um, he is going to be, and I talked about this last week, if he sees the open market, in my opinion, Jason, he's going to see big money. Like, Chris Jones is the best interior defensive lineman in the league, in my opinion, right? And he's got four years, $80 million from the Chiefs. I think if Joby sees the open market, he'll be one of the best defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen, on the open market. So he'll see similar money to that. He'll see probably 80 for four years with, you know, 40-some-odd million dollars guaranteed. That seems like a ton of money for him, but... These guys are hard to find, and when they're available, someone will pay for them. So the question is, will Barry address this before the end of the year to try to save some money there, and do you think he should?
0: I actually listened to this past episode that you're talking about, and I heard you <laughs> uh, I heard you um rallying yeah. to sign Larry Ogan Joby before the season ends and get get him extended. And then today on my way home, I heard on Brown's daily Nathan Segura voicing that same opinion. So kudos to you, man, for yeah, I don't know when you recorded that. That was probably a couple of days ago, right? Yeah, um, so
1: uh, Tuesday, yeah, absolutely, Tuesday. And c- not even for me, so kudos to Robert uh, Stalnecker and the, our uh, uh, listener of our show and kicked that uh, question in with lots of details and everything right into the mailbag there. So it was a Ask Me Anything Tuesday, and uh, that was uh, one of the major topics because he presented quite a, a good point, in my opinion. So um, because I think if you sign him you probably could do it for maybe four in 65 or four and 70. If you did it before he sees the open market, because you are giving him some of that security, right? In case he got dinged or anything like that. Now you would have to do that. I think, in my opinion, before the buy week, anything after the buy week, I think his agent would tell him to wait and see the market.
0: Yeah. Um, I would love to sign Larry Joby and if it means sign, extending him before the season's up, if that makes the most sense, then I'm all on board on that. You know, Larry, I believe he, you know, he's he's the guy that um, he got into football because he was overweight, and his grandmother or, or his mother got him into football. Was that the same guy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. He he just has a fantastic story and what a guy Larry Ogunjobi is and what he means to this football team. And I think he likes to play in Cleveland. So – absolutely I I would love to sign Larry Ogunjobi back but it's got to be at the right price you know you'd mentioned we have other contracts coming up a lot of them coming up so it's got to make sense you know Andrew Barry is not going to overpay to keep Larry here but if we can sign him at a discount before the season ends I think that would uh, be well for the Cleveland Browns and Larry Ogunjobi
1: As these guys come up, like Ogunjobi, like Denzel Ward, etc., you you could name a bunch of them, right? Uh, Greedy eventually. As these guys come up for their contract, some are going to get signed and some aren't. It's just the way it is, right? Now, and Barry's going to have to make some tough decisions. I think one of the questions that you have to ask yourself is, right, is this guy leaving gonna hurt the culture that we're trying to build here right because we know the Browns have lacked culture forever and I think that Ogunjobi is ingrained in that culture in that toughness that you want the Cleveland Browns to be um and I think that along with his talent level and what he provides on the defense I think he's a guy you want to be here long term and a guy that you can point to as like a staple of as we start to build that culture that Stefanski and him want to build. I think he's a guy that you want in that locker room, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's what's important to you, right? I mean, is the defensive line important to you? I would say absolutely it is. I mean, that's the cornerstone of your defense is the defensive line. So, um, you know, as you look at our defensive line, you have Miles Garrett. You know, he's our defensive end. Porter Gustin, uh, that's a that's a guy that, you, you know, you have Olivier Vernon. I don't know. Do you think we're going to bring him back?
1: No. Yeah, I don't I think don't. so either. What about Adrian Claiborne? Uh, he's on a two-year deal. It's not guaranteed. Uh, so I think they would probably like to bring him back. It's not very expensive. It probably depends on how productive he is this year. Uh, yeah so the, the ultimate it, question is Sheldon Richardson, who is set to make eleven point five million now none of that is guaranteed, so they could cut him and free up eleven point five million, so probably just to be realistic here, it's either Ogan Joby or him hmm. Do we have to decide that tonight? <laughs> no, no, you don't. I'm just proposing po- the idea that, um, you know, he's got to be towards, one of the
0: others. What you're saying? Yeah. I'm
1: not. I don't know that for sure. But common sense tells me that they're probably not going to pay him eleven, another eleven point five million dollars to stick around for another year and extend Jovi to a pretty good sized deal. But their age difference is big, so I think maybe you go with uh, Joby and you replace uh, Sheldon Richardson with a guy that you luckily drafted uh, in Jordan Elliott, who it looks like is going to be a star on the rise. I think the natural progression of things is to move him right into his spot.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And then you had mentioned about possibly our first pick of this coming draft being the defensive end opposite Miles Garrett. As I look at the depth chart, that's where it's screaming that we would need somebody if, you know, if we Adrian Claiborne, we're not sure about, and Vernon is probably gone after this year. So, you know, that would make sense that our first pick would probably be a defensive end.
1: I just think Jason – that they, you know, if they would have signed Clowney, right, to a multi-year deal, cool, that would have worked. If they would have made a deal for Yannick Ngakwe, great, there's your long-term solution. None of those panned out. I think you have to address it in a long-term way. Somehow, you can't keep plugging them in with, you know, stop gaps. Like, High
0: dollar you know, free agents, like yeah.
1: Vernon and stuff. I think you want to get a guy that you like a lot on a rookie deal and put him there opposite Garrett. Let him develop, and then you'll have that nice front four of hopefully, in my what I would envision of you know Elliot and Okanjobi on the inside, and Garrett and another stud on the other side that you don't have to worry about paying for like four years, right?
0: Yeah, and then, and then, of course, you you we mentioned Porter Gustin a couple times. Let's see Absolutely. how he does. Um, <laughs> Absolutely,
1: yeah. So if he's he's a guy that you would have to extend, you know. Uh, you would have to offer him a deal probably at the end of this year, depending on how he, you know, his production. So, um, well, either way, you're going to have to offer him something. So maybe he's a guy that you offer a couple, you, you know, he won't be too expensive, I don't think just keep him around for some depth. If you keep Claiborne around for depth, Claiborne's ideal uh, as a guy uh, as your third defensive end because he doesn't have to play that many snaps and he can still get at the quarterback when you want to put like your sub packages in with maybe three defensive ends on the field. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So that's where I'm at with that. If you kind of look at the future of that defense and I just think Ogunjobi means a lot to this team and and the culture. So uh, we'll see how that plays out, but I'd like to see Barry address that.
0: Well, and that's the nice thing about our, our office is I think they will, you know um, – they'll address needs that we're not even looking at right now and you know look at what they did with kareem hunt i thought that was a brilliant move um extending him for two years so you look at our backfield is going to have
1: nick chubb and kareem hunt for at
0: least two or three more years i mean that's awesome
1: yeah it's incredible and and hopefully chubb for longer uh because it does by by that deal so smart on multiple levels in my opinion because you, you save Chubb's body some, right? Uh, because you've got Hunt there to take some of the load off of. You've got, uh, you know, he's his, the time that you would sign a running back to a long term deal would be this offseason. If you're going to sign Chubb, you would do it now because you want to do it on the cheaper. Now, a couple guys have taken deals recently Derrick Henry, uh, I forget who else right now but that have been much more reasonable than those Todd Gurley deals we saw a couple of years ago I think that Chubb could probably fit right in there you know 40 million 50 million dollars four years whatever uh and uh, a nice signing bonus I think he's worth keeping around too culture wise the future uh and those deals will have if he did decline or wear down will have a nice way to get out of that deal on the back end if you had to and and by having hunt there it helps your leverage in that situation it's kind of like hey we don't need you need you right uh when you go to the table to negotiate i mean yeah nick chubb is
0: awesome to have in cleveland i mean he's such a good running back he's a great guy he doesn't run his mouth he you know he when he scores a touchdown he acts like he's been there before and you never have to worry about you know opening up your twitter feed and seeing that he got in some kind of legal trouble i mean he's just not that type of guy he's all business so yeah i chubb i would love to have you know in in a cleveland browns uniform for many years to come
1: yeah, I mean he's he's what you want. He's the epitome of what you want in an NFL football. Absolutely. Play.
0: He is yeah. Cleveland. I mean that's what it is. Yeah. You know, he is Cleveland.
1: And, and and when it comes to the wide receivers too, and and I talked about this on the show too, because I don't know how long OBJ will be here this offseason, in my opinion, maybe the end of OBJ either way, but we'll see. But I want to keep Jarvis around because to me he's another guy heart and soul of this team, what you want the Cleveland Browns to be. He's a guy that plays his ass off on every play. Uh, he does everything. He rushes up to the official to call timeouts. He's, you know, he's always positive. He's always, you know, he's all about the Browns. And, uh, you know, he's he's got his family living here and a nice house. And it's another guy that you can add to that culture where now you're adding, you know, Ogun, Joby, Garrett, Chubb, and Jarvis Landry. Where those are four guys that I love to call Cleveland Browns for the next five years. You know,
0: absolutely, yeah, all them guys for sure.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: um, OBJ. All right, let me ask you: Do you see him being here past this
1: year? No, I don't. I don't. Uh, no. See, here's my. I, I kind of. I did a show on this a while back, and I, and they asked me about it on on Tuesday night after I did my show. I went on the. Uh, it's a pretty good show, actually. It's called the uh, Full Monty Sports Show on YouTube, and they've had me on a couple times. And uh, I went on, and they want, asked about OBJ, and and the host was advocating that the Browns trade him, as many people do, right? Like, he's just a problem more because he requires targets, etc. And to be honest, he hasn't said anything like that, right? So let's let's be honest. Since he's been into Cleveland, he's been pretty well-behaved. It's not like he's been pounding the table for the ball or anything. It's just at times his body language rubs you the wrong way. Like week one, it was bothersome to see his body language like that week one of the season, right? Um... However, I think he either, Jason, has a really good season this year and will want some new money on his contract. Um, Even though he's under contract, he's probably going to want a new deal. You know how wide receivers are always asking for new money on their old money. Um, Or I think he doesn't have a great season – just because of the running the ball so much and, and so many other mouse to feed. And that's just the end. natural progression is that's the end of the experiment. And you have them under contract for $14 million. That's money um, that I don't think is all guaranteed, but maybe partially. So you could free up some space there, you know, move on from that and maybe gain an asset in the process. I, kind of natural progression I don't think it's the best fit ever here, but let's see. I'm not ready to give up on him yet. That's just kind of what I think is naturally going to happen uh, because of the business of it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I
0: don't see a, a scenario where we would trade him this year. And and as far as his body Correct. language, yeah, me neither. You know, that, the body language bothered me, too, and it probably bothered me just because I was frustrated that we were losing the game the way that we were losing the game. And, of course, the camera's going to go on OBJ because that's newsworthy, right? But, yeah. you know, OBJ is just a competitive guy. I think he was frustrated. Everybody was frustrated. So I don't, I don't really, you know, come on too hard for his body language. But as far as his contract, um, what, what, what do we have until um, – I mean, he, he's, he'll he's he be under contract even next year, right?
1: Yeah, so let's take a look at this. I can break this down here. Um, I think he, until
0: 2024 he's a unrestricted free agent.
1: Yeah, let's get his contract stuff up here. Now, the important part of it, though, is when the guaranteed money runs out, right? Um, because that, at that point, then, you know, It changes the scope of things. So he is uh, under contract for quite some time um, as he signed a five year deal. So he technically would be with the Browns through, uh, you know, if they wanted, they could keep him through uh, 2023. So, and that's at f- about $15 million a year. He's at 14.2 this year. Now, 14 of that is guaranteed this year. Um, so this, that's why I kind of meant like at the end of this year, his guaranteed money is out. Gone. If he had a huge year, he would probably want to renegotiate or do set up a contract for when he's 31 that um, will put some new guaranteed money on his deal in 2021 if he's going to play here. And I don't think Barry's going to be down with that. Now, if he plays poorly or doesn't just put up the monstrous numbers, the Browns can move on from him without taking a hit. Does that make sense? This is yeah. their out this is their out of that contract, so do you want him for three more years at fifteen million dollars? I just don't think that um guys like our front office, very analytical right, are gonna wanna pay jarvis landry uh fourteen million dollars and another guy fifteen million dollars I don't think they're gonna wanna allocate thirty million dollars to two wide receivers.
0: Yeah, I I am going to be honest with you and and tell me if you think I'm off base and that's okay if I am. But when we drafted Donovan Peoples Jones this past year, my initial thought was, okay, this is this is a guy that the Browns are looking at that could be developmental through this year and then I mean, you can't replace OBJ. I'm not saying that, that no. but yeah. but but this but maybe they drafted Donovan Peoples Jones to um, to take that spot of the number one receiver next year and develop him this year. I
1: mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Totally. I mean, I, I think that... Uh, I mean, the guy's he, a freak athlete, man. Yeah, he's fast, he's big, he's, you,
0: yeah.
1: you know. He's a, uh, his athleticism is tremendous. Um, I think he suffered in the offense they ran at Michigan. Uh, I think he looked good in camp. Um, he hasn't been dressing so far, but that's just a numbers game at this point. Uh, you know, I, I do think that he certainly could fill, like you said, you you don't you're not going to get another Odell Beckham Jr., but you don't necessarily need one, right? You just need a guy that's going to be productive out there, right? You, I mean, you can have your one in Jarvis Landry. If they're going to keep Stefanski around and run this offense, it's not really set up to. To target somebody a ton of times now you know granted we're only two games into the season so things may progress differently than we even imagine right like maybe he does start getting 100 yards a game here every week right but and that may change the conversation but uh, I would agree with you completely that Donovan Peoples-Jones looks like a a, um, a guy that could fill that role moving forward absolutely yeah, I mean,
0: because, you know, if you look at, okay, just look at our running game. Obviously, we, we've already talked about uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And then you look at our tight ends. We drafted Harrison Bryant. We have Austin Hooper that we picked up during the free agency. Do you, do you, do you, in this offense that Stefanski has, I mean, do you need a guy like OB? I mean, we have OBJ this year, but I'm talking, we're talking next year. Do you need a guy of OBJ's caliber for this offense to be successful? Or could you have a Donovan's people, Jones, or, you know, we've seen what uh, Higgins and Baker Mayfield loves uh Richard Higgins. And then of course we have Hodge on the other side and we still have Landry. Do you need a guy like OBJ or can our offense still be successful with the running game we have in the tight ends? And, and obviously we have some receivers still on the offense.
1: You know that that question is the question, right? That that is the ideal question. So basically, um, I, I guess I would say I, I would say that that question is going to answer itself this year. You know what I mean? Um, I think that um, whether a talent like him uh, or a weapon like him is necessary or needed in this offense I think we'll find out in the natural progression of this season which is kind of why I think we'll we'll come to a a answer one way or the other at the end of this year
0: Um, yeah I mean it's a it's a hard question man I mean because OBJ's uh OBJ on the field doesn't show up on the stat line all the time right I mean because he's gonna he's gonna he's double teamed all the time so all the time you you have a guy like OBJ on your roster and that does help open up for the Nick Chubbs and the cream hunts and the, you know, the tight ends and the Jarvis Landry's and the Hodges. I mean, that helps the other uh, offensive players that we have on this roster. So, I mean, it's an interesting question. I'm glad that I don't have to answer that, but uh, that's <laughs> what, they, <laughs> that's what they
1: pay them the big bucks for. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I would say, Now, like, you know, like, kind of like we said, I just think that the business side of things, the way his contract, you know, plays out, um, I think it kind of naturally leans me towards believing that this would be his last year in Cleveland either way. And, but if the ultimate question is if he turns out to be a potent weapon in this offense, that changes the conversation completely, right? So, um, We'll see that'll work itself out, though, I think, naturally. So I don't even think, you know, Eric, I don't even think uh, Barry has to answer that right now. That's just something that he needs to monitor, right? For sure. And everything that we're talking
0: about starts this coming Sunday, 1 o'clock in First Energy Stadium. I'm
1: excited, man. I can't wait till this fall game. Me too. It, it's you. You nailed it earlier, right? Like if they want to be a playoff team, this has got to be one that you win, right? So it's got to be. Jason Hand, host of the Browns Huddle podcast, where you can find uh, you can find all episodes of that podcast, where all popular podcasts are found. Follow him on Twitter at Browns Huddle um uh, follow our podcast league uh, on Twitter at all eyes on clee uh, where you'll get updates and you can always go to all eyes on and check out uh, the standings where Jason is in first place uh, as he is ready for a first place battle with the Browns wire podcast this weekend so an interesting little uh, thing we did this year kind of fun though right the podcast first podcast league I like it
0: Oh, it's a lot of fun, and it's really honored to be a part of that. So I'm definitely excited for this um, fantasy football league.
1: It's t-shirt time, baby, Jason. We're gonna get you, send you out the t-shirt. You got to rep it. You got to take a picture and uh, put it out on Twitter. And uh, uh, I'm so glad you came on the show. I told you a half hour. It's been an hour and ten minutes. How about that? That's
0: okay, man. It's, you know, Brad, um, w- when I said in the beginning of the podcast that I enjoy your show, I really enjoy your show. I listen to a lot of sports podcasts, and I know what a b- good podcast is, and yours is definitely one of them. I really love the way that you um, work this show, and I would be remiss if I didn't say, what's up to Mikey on the ones and twos?
1: <laughs> what's up, Mikey? Yes, Mikey. Mikey uh, waves back he's you know he's not on awesome. the air these days but he he gave you a salute for sure and uh, uh I know that he is is a big fan of yours Jason so that's Oh uh, yeah
0: and I'm going to get me a Mikey on the ones and twos as soon as my budget allows it right now my podcast is right. new that's just not in the uh, budget line but soon enough my friend soon enough Yeah,
1: yeah there you go So Mikey, appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you coming on. It was awesome. Thank you so much. I had an absolute blast uh, talking Browns and uh, football team. I almost messed it up right there. So it's like WFT, right? And then you type all the time like WTF, like what the, what the, and then so it's like WTF, WFT, what the, you know, it's all, it's just a mess. What the, what the f? Washington football team. There you go. Hopefully we're not saying WTF after this Sunday. (laughs) Right. WFT uh, versus the Browns in Cleveland Browns Stadium. So it would be nice. You know, fans will be there. So that's good. Uh, It's actually – that's pretty good. We're one of the few people that they got anybody in the stadium. So uh, I like that. That's awesome. All right, man.
0: Before we get off, what what do you think – the score prediction. Do you have any predictions for the score?
1: Oh, you can put me on the spot, huh? All right. I'm so sorry. I I already no, don't worry about it. I already uh, I put a prediction in earlier I was asked this. So uh the spread is seven, which I think is large uh for this game, but um and i think most of the money is coming in on the re- on the uh football team side <laughs> i caught myself there uh on the football team side so uh but i think that uh the browns win by a field goal uh i'll say uh 27 24 a cody parkey field goal i like it yeah i don't i i told them this i don't think they'll uh Kick a field goal at the end to win. I think that the Browns end up with the ball up a field goal and and run out the clock with the run game. Well, very good. It,
0: you know, before I really looked at this game, I had the Browns winning thirty-one to twenty-four, but I actually think it's going to be a lower scoring game than that. I have the Browns winning 17 There you so go. So less, less less dramatic, but still with
1: the Browns' victory right on the right on the money line there or the right on the spread at seven points. So, uh, Oh, stuff falling. Mikey's knocking stuff over. Mikey. <laughs> God damn it. All right. Uh, so, uh, thank you so much, Jason. You were fantastic. And, uh, the kind words mean a lot. So, uh, and we'll have you back for sure and I'll get your address and t-shirt size and send that out your way. But, uh, uh I had a blast.
0: Me too, uh Brad. Until next time, my friend, we'll uh we'll see you again soon. All right.
1: There it was. That was Jason Hand of the Browns Huddle Podcast joining us tonight for a very thorough interview covering everything Washington football team and the Browns getting you ready for Sunday in a must, uh, as Jason said, a must win if they want to be a playoff team type of game. Uh, So uh, let's uh, talk about... uh, um, a couple things here I wanted to hit before we get up out of here. Mikey, go ahead and kill that music for me. Good sir. Mikey knocking things over during the interview there. not not great, Mikey. not not great, buddy. but uh, that's okay. <clears throat> um, tonight. well, let's let's do this. Uh, two weeks ago, when the Browns got their doors blown off by the Ravens, I came on here and I talked about how I was driving in the car that day and I heard Brandon Tierney uh, talk about the Giants and their new coach, Joe Judge, and and what they had looked like against the Steelers. Um, And it was about organization and... and, uh, game plan and things that I expected from Stefanski, and I want to play that now because what we saw in Week 2 was the opposite of that. Like, it, the game script went perfectly. It was exactly what you wanted to do as the Browns, and he did have them organized, and the attack was well put together. Uh, now, this is a a higher test on the litmus scale, okay, a more difficult test against these Redskins. Pardon me, the Washington football team. I am so sorry. Uh, But I want to play that um, this little bit of sound uh, from that show where I was hitting on these points. And then I want to come back and talk about what I expect to see plan-wise, organization-wise from the Browns against this team on Sunday. So real quickly, here is uh, from just two weeks ago, talking about uh, this same topic here. Brandon Tierney. I I was in my car today driving, and he started talking about the Giants. The New York football Giants in the game last night against the Steelers. And he said, boy, despite a loss for the first time, he said, in a half decade, they looked prepared. They looked organized. And it kept them competitive in a game till the end. And I went, God damn. That's what I expected from Stefanski. Despite anything else, Baker being bad, the defense getting gashed, I expected to see an organized effort to try to win the game. I didn't see it. He built on the game plan early, the defense never had Lamar under control. Special teams with putrid. There was bad penalties. It was much of the same. Now, obviously, first-time head coach. That can snowball any quick. But they were saying, you know, giving credit to Joe Judge, saying, you know, Giants look correct. I know exactly what he's talking about because I watched the game. They played a competitive game just by being... Organized, And that's what I expect from Stefanski. That's what I thought we would be getting. And we didn't get that. And that's frustrating. That's really frustrating. And it doesn't mean he's a bad coach, but to hear, you know, Brandon Tierney, he was talking about that. He, he, he was able to say, despite their loss, here's the positive. They look like they have a coach who has them under control and they're doing the right things and this and that for the first time in some time. So that was from after that game, right, and uh, the Ravens game. And then we saw much better against the Bengals. And they're more talented than the Bengals, but they also put together a good game plan. So let's talk about Washington real quick, okay? They're going to come out and on the offensive side of the ball. They script their first 15 plays and in those 15 plays they need to accomplish a couple things as a team okay this front four can wreck your day okay these guys are good so organization wise organizationally their protection their protections of baker have to be spot on. Like he has to come to the line of scrimmage knowing where he can get help from from for the offensive line. And this week they should have put in chips, double teams, helps, different ways that the tight ends and the running backs can help with the pass rush and when they choose to pass it. So they need to neutralize the pass rush, A, with the run game. They need to chip and help with blocking, develop the run, and get OBJ touches in the first 15 scripted plays. That's the organization that I expect from Stefanski, from Alex Van Pell, to be able to do that and establish that in the first 15 plays. I think that that's very plausible and a, a, a worthwhile, reasonable expectation from this football team. Stay ahead of the chains. No stupid penalties. Protect your quarterback. Be prepared to protect your quarterback against a front four that is very, very dynamic and good, okay? So, on the offensive side of the ball, those are the things that should be accomplished at the beginning of this game. Your game plan from there, obviously, will be dictated kind of depending on where you are, but you can't get away from the run. And this defense although very good up front and some good players on the field, can be exploited discipline-wise. You can scheme up some stuff that's going to get you wide-open looks. This is the kind of job with scouting, watching film, preparing that I expect from our new head coach. Okay, This is a way to show that that they are – regardless of how they play, um, you know, talent-wise or performance-wise, that they are prepared to deal with this defensive line and prepared to move the ball down the field in the most important ways, getting your main wide receiver touches here and there, maybe even a reverse or something like that, right? Get the ball in his hands get him going early, get him invested in the game, okay? And, and also, new, obviously, you got to establish the run game, neutralize their pass rush, but more importantly, organize for that pass rush. Be ready, uh, have protections built in to your schemes so that Baker can switch to whatever he needs to switch to to protect himself and the offense. On the defensive side of the ball, you want to get pressure on Dwayne Haskins, okay? Their run game, I am not afraid of, and our run, our run defense has been stout, okay? So we expect I expect them to choke out the run on defense. I expect them to come with a detailed, well organized game plan to attack him. So. Pressures coming from different places at the right time, okay? Setting yourself up for success that way, okay? Blitzing people from places and from different places on the field uh, to get home when you can't get home with your front four. This is another must because Haskins cannot get comfortable. You can't let him get comfortable back there. Okay, the way they play Terry McLaurin is going to depend a lot on Denzel's health. But I expect this defense to look a lot better. The addition of Ronnie Harrison and his increased workload, Kevin Johnson back instead of Tavier Thomas, and then whoever else can make it back, whether it be Greedy, Mack Wilson, uh, if it's Denzel, if it's whoever, uh, is back out on the field. We know Jack Conklin's coming back on the offensive side of the ball. They should be better for it. This defense should be much better for it, and they should be prepared to deal with what this offense brings and gives to you, which isn't a ton. 46% of the offense through one person. You can scheme up this defense, have some pressures ready to go, when the time is right, and take advantage of keeping Haskins uncomfortable. You can't let him get comfortable. You can't let him sit back there and let the game slow down for him. It's got to be fast. It's got to be forcing him to make difficult throws, forcing him to get rid of the ball before he wants to. These are the ways that they can game plan – to set themselves up for victory against a beatable team. So, when I talked about that two weeks ago, this is your chance to see exactly what we're talking about um, with this. Organizationally, preparation-wise, they should be ready to come out and protect and pressure and scheme up stuff on both sides of the ball that gives you an opportune chance to get ahead early in the game. That's what I expect from the coaching staff. That's the organization, the scouting, the game plan, development, all of it. That's what we need from this coach and from the these guys on this staff to put the Browns in the best chance to win the game. So that's what I'm looking for is that next step against a better team, being ready for the pressures, being ready to to protect your quarterback, having options ready for him to go to to protect himself, developing the run game, getting OBJ involved early. Then, once you get a lead or once you, you know, even in a neutral game, you're pressuring Haskins, you're keeping him uncomfortable. If your front four is not getting home, you've got stuff in the game plan that isn't going to take away from your coverage of McLaurin or other threats on the field, and you're able to bring pressures to get um, to Haskins because Haskins can't get comfortable. You've got to keep him uncomfortable. He's not good when he has to make those decisions. He's just not there yet, and the Browns have to be all over that. Um, I hope that you have enjoyed All Eyes on Cleveland. You can go to alleyesoncleveland.com. Check out the website. Go to where all popular podcasts are found to grab the show and listen back whenever you would like. Uh, Big one here for the Browns. As Jason was saying in the interview, you got to get one of these two. This is the one to get it done with uh, for sure Um, as it's it's very winnable. Browns are seven-point favorites. It's a winnable game in uh, a game that you probably really need to win considering you play the Cowboys next week and 2-2 two and two needs to be the outcome coming out of four games. Uh, to get to 2-1 and one would be a nice feat for this coaching staff and for Stefanski and for all involved, Browns fans included. But to get to 2-1 and one above 500 first time since 2014, you know what that means. It's time to start getting excited. What do you think, Mikey? Mikey's excited. Great job by Jason Hand. Go to Thrive Fantasy app, download it, check it out, Uh, sign up, use the promo code EYES, Uh, check out the website, please leave a review, good, bad, if you like what I'm doing, that's great, if not, that's okay too, we just want to get better, we just want to get better, and that's what we expect to see from the Browns too. Harrison out there, get him out there. Get him involved in this scheme, in this defense. It's got to be better than Sendejo. Johnson back at the nickel corner will make a huge difference. Expect to see an improved effort on that side of the ball, along with um, a game plan that makes a lot of sense and gives you a chance to win no matter what. With that, we shall depart. I hope you enjoyed. For Mikey on the ones and twos, big thanks to Jason Hand of the Browns Huddle Podcast. I am Brad Ward, and we are out. I'm going to shine on me until
0: my heart stop. Go ahead and be me. I'm Rabsin P.P., and I ain't going nowhere. Sneaky, get the me From the beginning to the end. Losers lose, win is win. This is real win. Got to pretend the cold world that we in. It's full of pressure and pain. Enough of me, nigga, I listen to gang. 5-0, throw the crack by the bench, now I'm fucking with 5-0, it's all starting to make sense. My mom's happy she ain't got to pay the rent And she got a red bow on that brand new bench Waiting on shot money to land sitting in the range Thinking how they spent $30 million on airplanes When his kid's starving Pockets going and Brenda still throwing babies in the garbage I want to know what's going on like I hear Marvin No school books they use that wood to build coffins Whenever I'm in the booth and I get exhausted I think what if Marie Baker got that abortion i love dogs you my. On top, And I'm going to shine on me until my heart uh-huh. stops Go ahead and me I'm Raph Sentry and I ain't going nowhere so you can get to know me. Either the love with the underdogs on top. And I'm gon' shine on me until my heart stops. Go ahead and feed me. me. I'm Raph feet and I ain't going nowhere so you can get to know me.